Before I continue on the series I've been doing about the power of our words, I want to take a little bit of a break this week, because tomorrow is Memorial Day. And this whole Memorial Day weekend, and particularly the day itself, is a time when we remember those who we have lost, particularly to war. And I'm lucky enough to have not lost anybody to war, and I'm very thankful for all the lives that have been given that I have not had to experience that loss. But there is always loss in the world, and I'm sure that each and every one of you out there who is listening to this has experienced loss in some way. You've lost something or someone who is dear to you. And my wife and I experienced loss earlier this year when our first pregnancy turned into a miscarriage. And that's been very difficult for both of us. And I've spent a lot of time the last few months thinking about loss. And as we're coming into this day of remembering those who we have lost, I wanted to kind of share some of the scriptures from the Bible that have helped me through this time, and have shaped the way that I view loss in order to help me get through the pain of dealing with that grief. So when we lose something, we have the tendency to think of it as whatever we've lost, that it's been taken away from us, that this thing is taken away. Some, something or someone has taken what belonged to us away from us. But even just in that line of thinking, we're already believing a lie. And let me explain to you why. You see, we all have this desire to possess whatever is dear to us, to claim it as our own. But in reality, all of the things that exist in this world, we can never truly possess those things because they already have an owner. Everything already belongs to God. We read about that in Psalm chapter 24, the first couple verses. It says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas, and established it on the waters. So here we see Everything in the world, including everyone in it, belongs to God because he is the creator of all things and all people. And so as the creator, it is made in his name. He's got his name on the title. It belongs to him. And we can see that reality being recognized when we look in the book of Job and how Job reacted to all that he lost. Because remember, he didn't just lose all of his possessions, he even lost his children. He lost family, people who were dear to him. And when he receives this news that all of his possessions have, have been lost, including his children, have lost their lives. Listen to his reaction. In Job chapter 1, verse 20, it says that this Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship 
and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. So first of all, we see that Job, he does grieve the loss of his children, right? There's nothing wrong with grieving. It is healthy to allow yourself to grieve. But even in his grief, he recognizes that when he entered into this world, he had nothing. And when he leaves this world, he can take nothing with him. And so everything that he has in the world isn't truly his to begin with. And it's important for us to understand this when dealing with loss in our life, that the things that we lose never truly belong to us in the sense that we have possession of those things. Now, I know that that may sound insensitive, but again, remember, I'm speaking from experience here. And I'll explain why it's important for us to understand that in a second. But in order for us to understand this a little better, let me explain it in this way. There are some places that I loved to go, right? I remember as a kid going to Blockbuster, or there was a pizza place that my wife and I loved to go to just half a block from our house, and we loved to walk down there and get some pizza. But... That pizza place, just like Blockbuster, have closed down. And that was a place that I loved. It was a place that I wanted to go to, that I enjoyed. But when those places closed, it was not because someone was trying to take them away from me. It was simply what happened, and it affected me. Now, of course, in the passage in Job that I just read, Job says the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. And we have to understand that Job's case is a very particular example where he saw everything in his life taken away all at once in a very supernatural and way greater than a simple coincidence type of way. But we also know that it was not the Lord that was taking that away from him. It was the enemy, right? It was the devil at work in that scenario. So that's an extreme scenario. But most often in our life, when we're experiencing loss, it's not because someone or something is trying to take it away from us, right? Just Just like those stores that I used to love going to and that pizza place I liked to go to, when those closed, they weren't being closed in an effort for somebody to attack me. And it would be silly for me to view it in that way. Of, oh, everybody's just trying to take away these things that I love. Somebody is taking them away from me. As if they were mine to begin with. Those places weren't mine. I didn't own the stores. I didn't manage the stores. I simply enjoyed having them in my life. And so when a store or something closes that we don't own, right, we don't possess those things, we don't view that as a personal attack against us of somebody trying to take those things away from us. And yet it seems like so easily 
when we experience any kind of loss in our life, that we get angry with God and say that he has taken them away from us. And I, I see people do this all the time where they frame their loss in this way of God taking away what belongs to them. But when we understand that the things in this world never belong to us to begin with because it all belongs to God, then we can begin to understand that when we lose those things, that it's not God attacking us. And that can free us from a lot of misplaced resentment if we understand that first point. It never belonged to us to begin with. When we lose it, it's not a personal attack against us. But now let's look at the other side of this equation. So just as Job says that he will depart from the world naked, he also points out that he comes into the world without anything. And that's true for each and every one of us as well. We come into this world with nothing to our name. We don't own, possess anything. We haven't built any relationships with anyone. It's a complete blank slate. We have nothing. So then, if we eventually lose things, but we start with nothing then where do those things come from? Now, all of the evil that we encounter in the world, right, all the disease and destruction, that's a result of sin being in the world. That's the result of living in a fallen world cursed by sin. But if we remove all of that, then where, what's left? Where does everything else come from? After the evil is stripped away, all that is left is what is good, and all that is there then came from God. Because remember, he created all of it. And so not only do all things belong to God, but all that is good in our life comes from God. And that's reiterated in James chapter 1, verse 17, that says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So every good thing that is in our life is something that we don't start our life with, and it's something that is given to us as a gift from God. They say that all roads lead to Rome, well, all good things lead to God because they originate from God. So then, even if God does take something from us, he's not necessarily taking it away from us so much as he is taking it back what he has given to us. Think about Abraham and Isaac. If you don't know the story that well, Abraham and his wife were well beyond childbearing age. And yet, miraculously, God gave them a son named Isaac. And in Genesis chapter 22, God calls for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac to him. And so Abraham collects all of the wood and the fire that they will need, 
and he takes his son Isaac up to a mountain to sacrifice him. And along the way, Isaac asks his father, We have everything here for a sacrifice, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham responds by saying that God will provide the sacrifice. You see, as Abraham is going through this, he knows that Isaac, this child that God is asking for him to sacrifice, was originally given to him by the grace of God. And of course, the story ends by God providing a ram to be sacrificed in place of Isaac so that Isaac doesn't need to be sacrificed. But God tests Abraham in this way to make sure that Abraham is serving God not just because of what God can give him, but because of who he is. And he wants to make sure that Abraham is serving God for the right reasons. And now that God has given him the gift of his son Isaac, God wants Abraham to realize that that gift of Isaac should not be seen as greater than God as the one who gave that gift. The gift is never more important than the one who gives it. And we need to make sure that we don't act that way with God, where we're more focused on the gift than the gift giver. And boy, we hate it when people act that way anywhere else in our world, right? That's where the term gold digger comes from, right? When you have a woman who gets all cozied up to an old guy because he's rich, and she wants to get as much of that money and good gifts as she can, we all know that she's not really in love with the man. She's in love with the gifts that she gets from him. And we look at a situation like that and understand how it is morally wrong. And yet, do we treat God in that way? Where we serve God because of what he gives us? And if he ever asks to take something back that he gave as a gift for us, right? It doesn't even belong to us. It belongs to God. But if God asks for us to give it to him, that we become upset and reject him because he has taken back what he's given to us. If that's our attitude, then it shows that we are more focused on the gift than the gift giver. And God doesn't desire to take things from us either. He doesn't find joy in doing a bait-and-switch maneuver to, oh, you want this? Well, here you go, and nope, I'm taking it away again. God doesn't enjoy that. He doesn't find thrill in doing that to us. That's why he made us with a perfect world. But because of the sin that has entered into the world through our own actions, we do experience loss. And God sees us in our loss. He understands the pain just as he lost his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, gave his son for us. God knows what it's like to experience loss. And he sees us when we experience loss. And he allows us to grieve like with Job. 
and he grieves with us and comforts us during that time. But God doesn't want to leave us there lingering in the loss. God doesn't revel in things being lost. He rejoices in things being found. You can look at Luke chapter 15, and the entire chapter is about rejoicing for things that were once lost being found. It's in that chapter that Jesus talks about a shepherd leaving 99 sheep in his flock to go find the one that has wandered away. Or a woman who loses her coin and searches the whole house until she finds it and celebrates when it is found. Or a father whose son goes off on his own. But when that son returns to him, how he throws a great feast in celebration because the son was lost and now he is found. God knows that we will experience loss as part of living in a fallen world. But rather than holding on to what we have lost, God is calling us to go out in search of what can be found, because there are many things that are lost that can be found. And just because we have lost things in our life doesn't mean that there are not still other things in our life waiting to be found. And it's not just about replacing what was lost. It's about finding new things as well. If we go back to the example of Job, people often reference how Job lost his children. And sure, at the end of Job, it says that he then had more children than he had before. And people will point out, well, those new children don't replace the ones who are lost. But remember, Job had all of the new children, and was reunited with those he lost when he went to heaven. It wasn't about the new children replacing the old. It was about remembering the time that he had with his children before, and knowing he was going to see them in heaven, but now also having other children that he could be with during the rest of his years on earth. It's not just about replacing what was lost, but usually we can become so focused on what was lost and try to hold on to it that we miss so many things waiting to be found because we're too focused on the grief of what has been lost. There's an excellent episode of the TV show MASH, and I'm sure many out there are familiar with that show or, at least, or have at least heard of it. But if you haven't heard anything about the show, it's about an army surgical hospital. And there's this one episode where this man comes in who is wounded, this soldier who's wounded. And the surgeon, Major Winchester, is able to save this man's leg. They thought, they were, they thought he was going to lose a leg, but because of Winchester's great skills, the leg was saved. And he's sharing this news with the wounded soldier after, you know, he's in the recovery process and he's awake and all of that. that you were going to lose your leg, but I saved it. And the only slight inconvenience of lasting effect that you'll have is a little bit of bad coordination in your right hand. That's it. That's all it's going to be. And when he's sharing the news to this man, the man is devastated. 
and you come to find out later on that the man was a concert pianist. And so he didn't care that his leg had been saved, because his whole purpose was to make music with his hands. And he even contemplates taking his own life because his purpose is gone in his mind. That was what he had, that was his gift, and he's lost it. And through the course of the episode, Major Winchester shows this man that even though he has lost that coordination in his right hand, that he still has so much more potential. And he brings to him some music that was written by a man who lost his right hand in World War I, and he composed music, piano music, to be played with the left hand only. And Winchester uses this to show the man that even though he has lost something that he once had, that use in his right hand, that he still had potential. His life still had potential. As he says, the gift was not in your hands. And there was still so much more that life could give him if he just moved forward. And I think that's a lesson that God tries to teach so many of us when we are experiencing loss, when we are going through grief, that he's trying to tell us that just because we have lost something doesn't mean that there is nothing left that God is trying to give to us. And God is still trying to give to us. But we have to let him take us through the journey of finding those things. And if we're too busy holding on to things that we have lost, and we've already lost it, we can't get it back, but we still sometimes try to hold on to it anyway. But while we are holding on to those things, our hands are too busy holding on to those things to receive anything new. And in order for us to receive what God has for us next, we first need to let go of what we're holding on to. Because while we're carrying all of that baggage, our hands are full and not able to receive anything new. And so to receive that new gift, we need to let go of what we're holding on to. Let go of what we have lost that never even truly belonged to us to begin with. It belonged to God, and it was a gift that God gave to us. And the one that that gift came from has more to give to us. But we have to give back to him what we have lost in order to receive the new thing that he wants us to find. And so I want to leave you today by asking you this question. Is God asking you to give something back to him? It may be something that you've lost. It may be someone that you've lost. Or it may be something that you fear losing and you're trying desperately to hold on to it. And you need to realize 
that it belongs to God first. You get to borrow it. God lets you enjoy it. But ultimately, it's God's. And you need to give that thing back to God so that your hands can be open to receive what he is trying to give you now. Don't let yourself be overcome from the grief of loss. But keep your hands open to receive new blessings, new gifts, and new life from the one who gives all good things. And that's today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can also email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And wherever you're listening to this, I encourage you to like it, share it, all of those things that help boost it and all of the algorithms that are out there. And I do have a Patreon if you want to uh, support this ministry financially, uh, just Sermon in the Pocket on Patreon. I don't plug it too much because I don't really like to, but uh, I know sometimes uh, you're interested in how to support me financially, so that is out there as well. But until next time, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. I pray that God has spoken to you through this message, and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. And I hope that you listen in again next week as we pick back up the series on the power of our words. So thank you again for listening. Thank you.